Uh, the first reading is from page 741 of the small print and 1655 of the big print. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honour the son just as they honour the father. Whoever does not honour the son does not honour the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. The second reading is from the second book of Corinthians, uh, chapter 1. Uh, it's in the large print Bibles on page 1793, and in the small print, <clears throat> it's 801. Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people through Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. <coughs> we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. And then to verse 18. But as surely as God is faithful, 
our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Um, I should uh, remind everybody that, um, as is our normal practice, when life gets underway in our parish, that we start with prayers. And on Wednesday morning at a quarter to ten, there will be the opportunity for us to come together and pray. And again at 7.30 at night. Um, It's part of our uh, St Pete's tradition and a very good tradition. So if you can come either in the morning or at night or both if you want to, um, feel free to uh, come along and pray. Um, I'm going to begin a series this morning on 2 Corinthians um, and it, because it talks to us about ministry, which is an important thing at the present time as we as a parish sort of think about where we will go in the future. And it also talks about how we actually can witness to our, our own faith. It's not the easiest book in the world to, uh, to read. Um, I wonder if you have ever sort of, somebody in the house has been talking on the telephone and they say something and you think, oh, they're talking to so-and-so about such-and-such. And the conversation goes on a bit longer and you think, no, they're not talking to so-and-so. They wouldn't dare say it that way to them. Um, they must be talking to so-and-so. And so on you go having only one part of the conversation. And in the end, when they get off the phone, you say to them, who were you talking to? And they tell you, oh, right. Well, that's what 2 Corinthians is like, you know. Um, you're, you're sort of only getting part of the conversation, and I'll explain it a little bit later when we get to one part of the text. But you go on and you think... What's going on here? Why does he say this? You know, what's happening here? So I will try and fill in those little telephone uh, conversations as we go. But um, uh, I think that it's a a great book that does, uh, does our hearts great comfort, but also helps us to look out. And so... I will also prepare some bi- b- prepare Bible studies. Um, our quarter to ten congregation can uh, will be uh, be doing uh, Bible study. Will be doing it, and if the other Bible studies want to do it, do them well, then that's fine. So I'll pass those on as we go. So that's a little bit of uh, background as to uh, where we're at. Let me pray and then we'll look at what God has to say about Himself this morning. Heavenly Father, we do pray as we turn to to Corinthians, we ask that you'll help us to understand what's in the text 
and be able to apply it to our own individual circumstances in our lives. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. With the, uh, the drought, the bushfires and now the coronavirus, one of the things that a lot of people in our community is sort of saying, well, what is going on? You know, they're trying to make sense of their world. We have had, in the past, long droughts. The first, I wasn't there, was in 1864. And since then, we have had nine major droughts. But this has been the longest one. We've had major bushfires before. The 2009 bushfires in Victoria saw 173 people die. But some are saying that this is the longest season that we've had because they started actually in the winter time, where usually our bushfires start in the summertime. And now we've got the coronavirus. My local Chinese restaurant had a, has a sign up. No member of staff has been to China in the last two years. It's remarkable, isn't it? Just what's going on? The SARS virus killed more people, but never have we had the restrictions that are now being put in place. So these events give us the opportunity to reflect upon our world, but also to reflect upon how we as a congregation, corporately, but also individually, can influence or talk to people when these sorts of questions come up. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 give us three aspects of God's character. And we are all interested in character. We want to know what our children or grandchildren's teachers are like. You get a new boss, you wonder what they're going to be like. Well, the Corinthian church was one where character was important. What had taken place was that Paul had written four letters to them uh, over a period of some seven years of which only two survive, or at least we've only found two. Maybe they'll turn the other two up sometime in the future. But we've got one and two Corinthians. He's also visited them three times to try and help them understand what the, what the Christian life actually was like. Because a group of people had come into the church and they were saying... The Christian life is one of constant triumph, of always winning, of always being successful, and of not having any problems. And you don't want to listen to this little grizzly-faced old man who tells you that things aren't going to always be right. So you've got these people who have come into the congregation and were stirring things up. And you've got Paul. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians to try and explain a little bit more about the Christian life. 
The parish of whatever it was in Corinth was not a parish that I would like to have been the rector of. They, unlike St Peter's, East Linfield were not perfect people. Not like us. Paul starts this way in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. The gods of the Greeks that the Corinthian people had worshipped previously before they'd come to a saving faith in the Lord Jesus were indifferent to human pain. They had no personality traits, as it were, and therefore they were indifferent to any difficulties that people had. But the God of the Bible is very different, as Peter said as he spoke at the introduction of our service. And he starts out by saying that this God that these people had come to a faith in was a God who comforted. And if you look from verses 3 to 8, you find the word comfort is there some eight times. He sort of makes the point time after time. But what is the comfort and how does he give comfort? Well, some of us when we go through difficulties might think, well, comfort is just having a nice bed or a good meal. But really, the, word, the root word of the comfort is actually bravery. It's a strange thing, isn't it? You see, we often pray when we are in difficulty and we pray, God, take this away. Fix this, and eventually he does, and we'll come to that in a moment. But you see, the root base of the word comfort is that of being brave. Here we are reminded here that whatever we are going through, we are asking and wanting God to actually help us to survive it to be brave. Give me courage in this difficulty that I've got as I go to the doctor for that report, as I go and speak to the boss about that difficulty, as I put up with chronic pain. Give me strength to get through this Help me if you're not going to take it away. And then we are reminded from this passage that God, how does God provide comfort? For it says to us these words, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble. So Paul is saying, well, I've received comfort, therefore I'm able to give comfort. And we all know that from the world. For example, in regards to the bushfires at the present time, people have said, we will stick together. Or when there have been floods and things, a politician has got up and said, we are Queenslanders and we will get through this. In other words, together we can do it. 
And Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 6. I was comforted by the coming of Titus. Somebody came, his friend, a young man in the gospel, came. And so, when we know of others who are in difficulties, we can text them, we can email them, we could ring them, we could go and see them. And probably one of the reasons why we don't talk to people when they go through difficulties is that we don't know what to say to them. And we will often cross the road. Now, one lady I know of said, David, I have caught this disease called death. In other words, her husband had died. She said, I was walking along the street and a friend was walking along the street and she crossed the road and went down the other side because she didn't know what to say. And that's often the case for us, isn't it? We don't know what to say. And probably the thing to say is, I'm sorry, I actually don't know what to say. I really don't. I'm guessing, but I don't think any of us here have lost our home in the bushfire. We don't really know what it's like to lose our home, to lose all those photographs or all those knick-knacks that we've collected over the years or that are important to us. No, they're only important to us. I sort of sit in my study sometimes and look at the things there and I think, when I'm dead, my son will throw all this stuff out because they don't mean anything to him. No, but they mean something to us. And so we can say, well, look, I've not been through this, or I don't understand it, but I feel for you. And that means a great load to people. The other way in which we get comfort is from the word of God itself. Jesus said these words. You probably have heard them, you've probably read them, but they're worthwhile bearing in mind again. They come from Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than the clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. It's hard, isn't it, not to worry about all those things? Especially if you're out of work or someone else in your family's out of work. And yet, what are we told? We're told that if we follow the Lord Jesus, he'll provide. And so we can encourage each other from God's word. And we can say to people, in the community and go to people when they go through the difficulties and just be there. Sometimes presence is all that is required. Just to sit with someone and be with them. So we are reminded, first of all, that God is a God who is a comforter. He comforts us through the coming of other people and through his word. Secondly, we are reminded that he is a deliverer. 
Paul lists here some of the things that he'd gone through. We don't want you, verse 8 says, to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Have we not been there? Think, God, I cannot go on. So that we despaired of life itself. Maybe he was depressed. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God. It's hard, isn't it? We grow up. We're brought up to be independent. We grow up to achieve, and yet we can come crashing down at times and we need to be reminded that we actually don't control as much as we think we control. And we can't always do things. And we are to rely on God who, it says, who raises the dead. Why do we put our trust in God? Is he powerful? Well, the Australian of the year has been able to do wonderful work in regards to eyesight. But there's nobody, no doctor, no witch doctor, no guru, who has ever been able to raise someone from the dead who has been dead for three days. And yet Jesus did it. He stood outside of Lazarus' tomb and all he did was speak. Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says, and the dead man walked out. It's a reminder to us of the fact that death has been overcome. I was reading an article recently about the growth of world, the world's population and whether it will settle down or whether it will go up. And this person prophesied in this way. He said this, while sex is more popular than death, the world's population will continue to rise. He's right, isn't he? But death still comes. People still die, and yet we are reminded here that Christ has risen from the dead and our awesome God will rise, raise us from the dead. And we can speak of a God. Why do we pray to this God? Well, we pray because he's shown his power. He raised his own son from the dead, And his son showed us that he was God by raising Lazarus from the dead. And then the third part about knowing our God that we can share with others is that he is faithful. Verses 18 on, and this is one of these passages where you think, what is going on here? This is part of the telephone conversation that being only at one end of it, we don't understand it. But as surely as God is faithful, our message too is not yes, 
to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What is taking place here is that Paul had said to the Corinthian church, I'll come and visit you, and he didn't come. We've all done that. We've made promises. You know, we make promises to our children or our grandchildren. Yes, I'll take you there, and then something happens and you don't do it, and they say, but you said. Well, Paul said and Paul didn't do. And so they're saying to him, look, you can't trust this man. He's not reliable. Don't pay any attention to his teaching. And so Paul says, yes, I did fail. And, you know, we fail one another, don't we? We're not perfect. We may do it unintentionally. Sometimes we do it intentionally. But Paul makes the point, okay, don't completely trust me, but trust the God who I told you about. For he says this in verse 20, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. In other words... He reminds them, he speaks to them about God being a keeper of promises. And he is. See, he promised to save Noah and his family, and he did. He promised to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt, and he did. He promised to send Jesus, and he did. He promised to raise Jesus from the dead, and he did. And it might not look like God is always being faithful towards us when we get bad news. But we are reminded here that God is the deliverer who is forever faithful. He will do what is best for us. Those of us here who have lived a long time can look back on a lifetime of God's providence. And we can look, can't we? And we think back, well, I'm in this sticky situation now, but back there in 1965, when things were tough, God did. And then again in 1972, he did. And in 85, he did. And so, you see, that's what the Passover meal was about. The Jews looked back to that one major event where God saved them. And they hung on to that. And that's what we might have to do at times. And that's what we can say to other people. Look, this is the God I know. I don't know why what has happened to you has happened, as I don't know why some of the things in my life have happened. But I do know this. 
that God got me through and he'll continue to get me through. We can tell people that even in the most difficult circumstances in this fractured world, God is faithful. Our witness can be to speak personally about a God who provides us comfort, a God who does eventually deliver us from the most difficult of circumstances and a God who remains forever faithful. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Paul wrote about you to the Corinthian church. We do pray that as we start a new year and as we think about how ministry should be done here in the next year and years beyond and how our parish ought to be structured, whether it be one of partnership or independence or whatever, that we can rely upon you. We pray in regards to not only our corporate life, but our individual life and the things that we face. We do pray, Heavenly Father, knowing full well that you're with us, that you'll help us to remain faithful to you as you remain faithful to us. When we worry, Father, help us to think about what you have done for us. For we ask this in Christ's name and for his and for our sake. Amen.